Well, hi, everyone. This is Daniel Williams, Senior Editor at MGMA, along with Colleen Luckett, who's an editor and writer at MGMA. We're back for another Week in Review. Um, We've got Colleen calling in from her home base, and I'm in our new MGMA studio. We're going to set Colleen up here soon, but not yet. We've still got a little tech work to do where we can uh, have two people in here at one time. But without further ado, Colleen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm looking forward to seeing the new setup. Be all yeah. official. Official. Yeah, we'll have to get you down here. It's pretty cool. Uh, the stuff the uh, people did. They've, it looks like a real uh, studio. So it's kind of neat. Um, <laughs> the only thing I'm lacking right now is a camera. I don't have a camera <laughs> or a second uh, microphone, but we'll get there soon yeah. enough. So we are back with another uh, week in review, and this is for our February 16th Week in Review episode. So, Colleen, why don't you kick us off? What's happening? Yeah, um, I wanted to start out by circling back to your last Week in Review, Daniel, in which you discussed our stat polling on predictive analytics. Predictive analytics. Um, I'd like to highlight this related case study in an article featured at the end of January titled Mirror, Mirror on the Wall, Will the Patient Show It All? It was authored by Sharon V. Neer, Vice President of Patient Access Optimization at Ardent Health Services. And this piece offers a really insightful look into the practical applications of predictive analytics in healthcare. She shares how Ardent tackled the challenge of lost access and revenue with a twist on conventional methods. Despite deploying the usual automated reminders, a user-friendly online portal, digital check-in, and pre-appointment phone calls, the needle barely moved. But the game changer came with adopting Epic as their exclusive EHR platform, unlocking the power of predictive analytics by analyzing By analyzing appointment histories and other characteristics, they could predict the likelihood of no-shows, moving away from inefficient overbooking to a precise, more data-driven approach. And folks can read more about it at mgma.com slash articles and find all of our articles there as well. That's really cool. And yeah, we will share with y'all some of those articles on the site, and we'll also be looking at outside sources as well in this uh, newly revamped Week in Review. One such article is a new one from the Harvard Business Review, and this one is in their health and behavioral science uh, section. It was written by Melody Wilding, and it's entitled Three Types of Overthinking and How to Overcome Them. Um, I don't want to go into... (laughs) Tons of detail on each one of them, but I do want to share uh, some of the main points here so y'all can see if there's some connection there to some of the overthinking. This first one is uh, Melody Wilding calls rumination. I definitely do this one as Melody writes. (laughs) Rumination is best described as a mental loop where you dwell on past events particularly negative or distressing ones. And some of the signs to watch out for in this rumination phase is you fixate on negative feedback. You often bring up past failures, setbacks, or slip-ups in conversation with others. And you're overly cautious, perhaps double or triple checking your work, 
because you want to avoid mistakes. Um, I was telling Colleen offline, that's one that uh, I certainly uh, <laughs> subscribe to whether I want to or not. Um, I so think that's pretty common. <laughs> I think so too. I really do. And I think one of the things that we talk about here at MGMA is really focusing on what you can deal with right now, you know, not that, oh my gosh, I, I screwed up on that thing and keep beating yourself up about it. Uh, I was in a, uh, a workshop earlier this week, Colleen, and there was the story of the second arrow. I don't know if you've heard this mm, one before, but it's, yeah, it's like one of those ancient uh, stories where two hunters are out in a forest one of them, it uh, accidentally, you know, they're shooting at game, but he accidentally shoots his buddy uh, with the first arrow. And that is painful. The, the arrow pierces the guy. It hurts him. But then as they walk back to the village to get some uh, medical treatment, um, he keeps going over and over and over in his mind the different things about the uh, pain. So he adds to it with his own thoughts. And so right. that's the second arrow effect. And oh. that can really sort of metastasize or that can really grow a painful situation by um, now I'm not, I'm not minimizing if you get shot with an arrow, <laughs> it would really hurt. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes we have that uh, tendency. I know I do to make a mountain out of a molehill yeah. or, um, you know, grow it in that Definitely. regard. I do. So, yeah. yeah. And so what uh, Melody Wilding talks about, at least for this rumination phase, is it can be helpful to actually schedule what she calls, quote, worry time, where you could sit down for <laughs> maybe 15 or 30 minutes. And if there is something that you're kind of addressing in a time, uh, kind of a mind loop, so to speak, where you go over and over and over again, this past failure or challenge, instead of just going over it like that, you sit down, you schedule some quote worry time. You can sit down and actually map out what happened. You know, what happened here in this situation? You can visualize, uh, that scenario, how you might address it differently another time. Um, for, she right. gives an example. If you're worried about meeting a deadline, you could create some action steps where you include saying no to another commitment, where you really take it from being a situation where you can't control, where in this scenario, you put down some controls for yourself and really build out time so you don't get stuck in that rumination loop. So as far as this article, there's a lot of other great information there, but I do want to be respectful to the Harvard Business Review. And so we will provide an episode, uh, uh, a link to it in the episode show notes so people can go right to it there. So Colleen, for our next great. story, what do you have there? Um, and I was going to say what that article doesn't have is your mindful Mondays, your oh, yeah. meditation Mondays for MGMA employees, which yeah. is actually another good way of meditation, you know, just kind of bring you back into the, the current moment. So thank you for doing those. Yeah, thank you. 
Um, okay, so uh, and so we have a little bit of a medical coding update for our members. So in the latest medical coding and payment policy updates for 2024, our members should take note of several significant changes aimed at enhancing health equity and expanding services. The CMS and AMA have extended telehealth flexibility into 2024 with notable adjustments like waiving the originating site restriction and allowing rural emergency rooms to serve as originating sites. Telehealth services for mental health disorders are now covered and specific codes 99441 through 99443 will be reimbursed through the end of 2024. So in this offering, also find further info about coding updates for ENM, uh, surgical and radiology, pathology, and medicine, among others. Uh, additionally, we've uploaded an update regarding medical coding for prolonged services. This update introduces codes used to accurately bill for additional 15-minute increments when care exceeds the primary E&M service time, making sure practices are compensated for the that ex extended patient care. You can find both in PDF format on our website at mgma.com slash member hyphen tools. And also you can just go to the 2024 medical coding and billing toolkit at that same link. And all of our resources on coding, medical coding are bundled up in that resource. So you can just go to that one stop place to look at all of our resources there. Perfect. All right. Well, I've got another one to share for everybody. Um, and that's dealing with our latest MGMA stat poll. Um, this week's stat poll asked, does your organization have formal goals around health equity? Um, some pretty alarming, but but maybe not totally surprising um, results from this. So 24% of our respondents reported having a formal health equity goal, um, but the majority, 64%, do not. And mm. so that leaves, yeah, quite a gap there. Uh, there was... 8% unsure, and then 4% were considering it. But even if those 4% jumped on board, that's only 28% um, yeah. that we have there. So I wanted to bring in some other information. So we went in and dug around a little bit. Our editorial team, they talked about the emergence of health equity as an improvement priority. The CMS has been involved with that back in 2022, 20 to 20. 32, they put together a CMS framework for health equity. Um, they had five key priorities. So if you did want to put this together down the road, and we will create a link to uh, the CMS. So they one, expanding collection, reporting, and analysis of standardized data. Second, assessing the causes of disparities within CMS programs and addressing inequities in policies and operations to close gaps. Third, building capacity in provider organizations and the healthcare workforce to reduce disparities. Fourth, advancing language access, health literacy, and culturally tailored services. And then finally, five, increasing all forms of accessibility to healthcare services and coverage. So there's those are just some of the things that could be done, but um, the industry does face challenges in formalizing and prioritizing these initiatives. And uh, really there's just a need for education, policy accountability, and leadership in data management to foster 
health equity comprehensively. Uh, so those are just some things to be thinking about everybody as y'all are uh, perhaps improving upon maybe formal goals that you have there or establishing them in the first place. So before we sign off with this article or this story, I did want to remind you about MGMA STAD. I'm figuring by now <laughs> many of y'all <laughs> listening are MGMA STAT uh, participants, but if you want to be and you're not yet, you can sign up for STAT by texting STAT STAT to 33550 or visiting mgma.com slash STAT. And by doing so, you make your voices heard in our weekly polls, and then polls will be sent to your phone via text message. So that's what we've got for STAT. Colleen, do you have anything else for this week? Yeah, speaking of healthcare challenges, let's turn to a persistent and potentially devastating issue facing many Americans today, including myself, actually. So I wanted to cover this Axios article. It's by Jason Millman, published on February 14th. It highlights a study by the Peterson Center on Healthcare and the Kaiser Family Foundation. And the study found that about one in 12 U.S. adults faced unpaid medical bills of at least $250 from 2019 to two to from 2019 to 2021, with the most substantial burdens reported in the South and rural areas. South Dakota, Mississippi, and North Carolina were among the states with the highest rates of folks struggling with medical debt, and Hawaii, Washington, D.C., and California had the lowest. Despite some states expanding Medicaid coverage under the Affordable Care Act, the issue persists with Americans owing at least $220 billion in medical debt by the end of 2021. So practice leaders should really stay informed about the broader economic implications and impact on your patients um, with the financial strains influencing Americans' decisions to seek care. It's crucial for leaders to keep a pulse on these trends and explore flexible payment policies that can ease these financial burdens. And guess what? MGMA can help. Check out MGMA Data Dive, which has been which has benchmarks for accounts receivable days aging and other financial performance metrics that administrators should watch closely to make sure patients don't have to choose between their health and their bank accounts. You can access the data dive reports at mgma.com slash data dive. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for this week. This was a pretty robust uh, week in review. And Colleen, it's great having you back. I know that uh, the editorial team had you on some special projects the last couple of weeks, but it sure yeah. is good to have you back here and have your voice heard. Thank you. Yeah, we're working on some some fun stuff. Hopefully it depends on our members and their um, engagement. So we're working on them. <laughs> okay, great. All right. Well, everybody, that is going to do it for this week of MGMA's Week in Review podcast. Uh, Colleen and I will leave direct links to those various uh, articles that we were referencing. So you can go right in there and access those and get even more information uh, as you see fit. Until then, uh, that's going to do it for this episode. So Colleen, thanks for uh, being here and uh, thanks for all y'all for listening. Thanks for having me. See you next week. All right. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership.